0: Ahoy and welcome in to another mind-expanding episode of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, where I, Dan Makler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health, how treatment works, and how it sometimes doesn't work. Alongside me, as always, is Mariska, the three-toothed Patterdale Terrier, and she is licking her paws right now, and we know what that means. It's cold outside, first of all, which she does not love, but in addition, it means that we have not been doing as good a job as we possibly could at rating, reviewing, And sharing the podcast and telling a friend. So if you know anybody who's interested in mental health and treatment, make sure you tell them about it so that Mariska's paws will feel better. And we know those five-star reviews, if they're earned, really make her paws feel good. Over, uh, I'm on winter break right now from my job, took a little vacation with the family out to San Francisco to see my brother. And unfortunately, I've talked about on the podcast how my own personal anxiety has been spiking a little bit recently. And so I was sitting on the plane and thinking to myself, I'm gonna have that deep vein thrombosis. I'm gonna uh, end up with a clot that's gonna turn into a stroke and I'm gonna end up dying on the plane. And that's not a very good feeling to have. Now, my intellect was able to say, that's not super likely, but my anxiety was saying to me, hey, you're in trouble here, you're gonna die. So what do we do? Well, first of all, where was this coming from? Um, I've told I mentioned on the podcast before that I take a statin, uh, in 2018 I had a heart stent, and I switched statins uh, about the beginning of December. And so again, I've been feeling this pressure uh, feeling in my neck, and then uh, about six weeks ago I ended up getting a random bruise on my calf. Now whenever you go to the doctor if you've had heart issues, they're always checking your calves to make sure you don't have clots, because clots are most likely to form down in the calves. So again being on this flight and thinking gosh where is this neck pressure coming from maybe it's the new medication which it almost certainly was maybe it's anxiety because my anxiety tends to manifest as physical either it used to manifest as pressure in the arm pressure on my chest and again for a while i took lexapro and that went away so i knew that that was anxiety related so could this pressure in my neck be anxiety related most likely a response to the new statin probably but what if it isn't What if it's a blood clot? What can I do? And those feelings of being trapped in that situation. Naturally, I got through, what do we do when we're not sure if something is real or not real? Well, we wanna say, how likely is that? How realistic is that? I went through the random other symptoms of clots. Was my calf feeling red or swollen? Was it a lot of pressure? No, it was the same kind of feeling that it had had. There was a little bit of pressure during the flight, but sitting still for four hours can do that to anyone's calf. When I got off the plane, what do you do? Well, you check in with a doctor when you can. So I messaged my doctor on my app saying, Hey, is this anything to be concerned about? My calf was a little swollen maybe during the flight. Is that something I should be worried about? He messaged me back after, you know, a span of a few hours. I'm not going to get that kind of response immediately. Could I have gone to the emergency room? Absolutely. But again, we always have to say, how likely is this to be a real emergency? Was I having any shortness of breath? No. So again, this question arises, what do we do about that? Well, and also, as we talked about before, when do we decide whether or not to take a medication? After this trip and these different feelings of anxiety that I was having at night, particularly just thinking, oh my gosh, this, that or the other medical malady is happening to me. Well, if we can't dismiss them, and they're affecting our sleep, and they're affecting our mood and our functioning, it might be time to go back and try a medication. So when I got home from the trip, I ended up, you know, going back onto the Lexapro. Now, I re- recall from when I first took Lexapro that the first week, I was experiencing some side effects. Uh, some sweaty palms or sweaty feet, and jitteriness. And I've been experiencing that this week when I've been taking it. But a question comes, how do we know when a reaction to medication is something that's just a side effect that it will just take a little while to get through, or if it's just our anxiety? I'm having difficulty sleeping, but is that because of the Lexapro? Or is that because I was just having difficulty sleeping before? Well, is there a qualitative difference? So one of the things before we're going to go into a psychiatrist appointment, we really want, or our medical doctor, because I'll be working with my primary care physician, I have an appointment coming up, um, is asking ourselves, okay, are we tracking and rating our sleep, our energy, our mood, and how it's been changing over time? Do the symptoms that we're feeling, do they feel different? Because again, the doctors can only work with the information that we bring them. So how are things changing? This is why journaling can be so important to say, all right, how was my sleep this day? How was it this day? For me right now, I've gone from not sleeping due to a feeling of being anxious and thinking about things to just feeling wide awake at night. So that suggests that a little bit of my insomnia right now could be related to the medication. Took a little bit of melatonin, the melatonin helps, doesn't totally knock it out. Now melatonin is different than other regular medications and we'll get into a little bit of some tips for falling asleep. The nice thing about melatonin is it's something that your body naturally produces, you can't overdose on it. If you wanted to, you could take melatonin every night for the rest of your life if it helps you to sleep. For a lot of people with sleep issues though, melatonin just doesn't really get it done. It has little to no effect. But if you're a person who melatonin does work for, I would often recommend doing it alternating nights or whatnot if you can. Not anything we bring into our routine, we start to feel a dependence on. And so it's nice if we're not dependent on anything, if we can just fall asleep without that. But going back to this issue of when we take a new medication And we're feeling, again, right now I'm feeling a little jitteriness, like I've drank a bunch of caffeine, but I haven't had any. Okay. Well, when is that a deal breaker of how long should I let it last before I say, okay, you know, if it's been two weeks and I'm still experiencing this, maybe this isn't the right medication for me. Doctors are typically going to try to play with the dosage before they change medications. Why? Well, because they want to make sure you're not going to have an allergic reaction or anything else. And before you take any medication, you should, and often the, pharma, the doctors should tell you this, but also at the pharmacy, they'll usually ask you the question, have you taken this before? And you can look online to see any of the truly dangerous allergic type reactions. Really anything where you're having your throat closing up or you're not able to breathe are the ones that you, big rashes, then we need to make a change immediately, call your doctor. But it's very common for virtually every medication. You can see the list of side effects include like nausea, headaches, um, any other kind of stomach upset for me fortunately i haven't had any stomach issues or upset but any of those kind of things we say well how long should those last before our body adjusts to the medication and i would say usually about two weeks if it's if it's lasting more than two weeks this reaction is something that your body it might be a, an ongoing side effect of that medication and that's something we have to talk to the doctor about and many people we've talked about on the show before you know some doctors can poo-poo and wave away well things like weight gain or whatnot. Well, that's a really big deal for myself as a person who uh, had a heart stent, I it's really important to me to not carry a lot of extra weight. And I've done a lot of work to lose weight. So if I shifted off of Lexapro, if I realized it was gaining a lot of weight on it, I would have to find a different medication. And these are why we have to have ongoing conversations with our treatment provider. So it's hard to sometimes tell how much of it is the medication, how much of it is myself one of my clients is going to be evaluated for a medication next week. And they, um, their family is nervous about it. They feel like, have we really tried therapy long enough? And again, I think the answer, and I often try to prepare people. This first medication you try may really not be a right fit. It's like trying on a pair of shoes. If you get the right pair on the first try, amazing, but we shouldn't necessarily assume that we're going to find the right fit right away. So giving it that one to two week period, unless we're having dangerous type symptoms, communicating with the doctor. Some doctors will have, you know, you can have a follow-up call or message within that next week. Sometimes they'll schedule an appointment, you know, one or two weeks out, but typically it's about one month out from a new psychiatric anxiety, depressive type medication, mood stabilizer, because they wanna give it about four weeks to see what the impact is. In my case, if I keep up with this jitteriness, maybe I'll ask the doctor if I can cut the dosage in half, Um, having a pill cutter, things like that can be really helpful. But since I was on this dosage before, and it worked pretty well for me, my guess is it's just taking my body a little time to adapt to it. Um, Sometimes doctors will have you take a medication every other day as you're going up or down on a medication. And it's important, if a medication's not working, to make sure you're communicating with your doctor about Do you need to taper down off of it so let's say you've been on it for two weeks or can you just stop because stopping certain medications can lead to negative side effects like really bad headaches nausea vomiting that kind of thing so back to me and some tips on what do you do if you're lying awake at night and you can't sleep well i think the first thing again we go back to the physical are you physically comfortable is your space good do you have to go to the bathroom are you thirsty So making sure you've taken care of all of your physical needs. The second thing is, what did you do to kind of wind down before sleeping? So hopefully you're in a good sleep routine. If you know that you have trouble sleeping sometimes, things like a sleepy time tea or whatnot might be a good idea to help get you into a sleep state and sleep mood. And again, especially if you had a bad night's sleep the night before saying, okay, this coming night, I'm going to have that melatonin ready. I'm gonna have that sleepy time tea ready. But what if you didn't anticipate having a bad night of sleep and you just you're lying there and you're wide awake? Well again, it's a really different experience if you're having negative intrusive thoughts. If we're having negative intrusive thoughts, we may need to, to just do whatever it takes to break that cycle, get up, leave the room, go do some journaling, do whatever it takes to maybe put on a meditation app. I would highly recommend reading as a first thing to do as opposed to going to our phones uh, because again, anytime we go on the internet, we're really spiking up our brain's response. They say in those um, images where they can see how much the brain lights up, brain energy lights up, that six times more of your brain lights up when you're on the internet in any form than when you're reading. So again, I don't know how it affects it. I do reading on my phone, and the nice thing is it can do that um, sort of black screen so that my wife isn't awakened by whatever I'm doing. Again, my go-to would also be reading if you share a room with someone else. You want to make sure, okay, I don't have to put the light on, or I'm not going to be doing, if you're listening to something, is there any bleed of the sound out of your headphones or whatever you're using? So we don't want to do that. Another thing that's really beneficial is having a go-to daydream. Something that you just really like thinking about, enjoy thinking about. They talk about historically counting sheep. Well, why would you count sheep? Well, because it's repetitive, it's boring, and it can sort of lull your brain into a sense of sleepiness. For me, since I've never been a shepherd, counting sheep doesn't really do anything for me. But I can imagine something I have experienced. And so I might imagine hitting a tennis ball and just hitting it, balling it back and forth. I can really imagine the feeling of the racket in my hand, the feeling of the ball hitting the strings and just kind of Boom, back, forth, volleying. So, when I need something really concrete, especially to help push an anxious, negative, intrusive thought out of my mind, I might use the hitting the tennis ball back and forth. There's a coping strategy called go to that place. And go to that place involves thinking of a place in your memory where you have nothing but positive feelings and vibes and memories from. It could be your best friend's basement when you were a kid, it could be your grandma's house. And then You lie there and try to create that place in as much detail as you can. What did the carpet feel like? What did it smell like? Was there, you know, when you were there often, was there often a song that was playing, whether it was a summertime or whatnot? more that you can create all of the senses in that, and you can use go to that place, not even when you're trying to fall asleep, but anytime you're feeling anxious and you need a break, separate yourself from the environment and just kind of in your mind, go to that place. And that can really help us to slow our heart rate and calm down. But then I prefer to have a daydream that's more like, if you think of a favorite movie, any movie that you've seen more than five times, and hopefully if it's not a horror movie or anything like that, then you can think about, all right, well, what what was happening in the plot of this movie? Can I inject myself into it? So last night I was, I've been watching some of the Spider-Man movies with my kids lately. And so just thinking about, you know, spider-man popping around and bopping up and down and so that allows me if I don't know if I'm not sleeping my brain can create the images of that movie without really doing a lot of work so I can get about 70% the value of sleep through a really good daydream and so it's not stressful it's not me stewing about what I might have to do at work the next day or what's going on with my family or bills we really want to try to push away from those intrusive thoughts now If we're having a thought about something that we do need to do though, and we're afraid we're gonna forget about it, having a pad of paper by the bed, or even pulling out our phone just to use the memo section and writing, okay, tomorrow, or emailing yourself, follow up on setting taxes appointment. Okay, if you have to set up those taxes for the coming year, you're afraid you're gonna forget to do it. Because sometimes our brain will poke at us to say, okay, don't forget this, don't forget that. But once you've sent that email to yourself, once you put it in your notes app, then we can hopefully put it away and start to go back to daydreaming about something that's uh, more positive. If that's not enough, again, do. If you've been lying there tossing and turning for more than a half hour, it might be a good idea to get out of bed, leave the room and try to go sleep on a couch or somewhere else. Sometimes, especially if we've had a lot of anxiety and insomnia, our our body can start to associate our bed with not sleeping rather than sleeping. Even something as simple as taking your pillows and putting them at the foot of your bed and sleeping the other way in your bed, can have a transformative effect on the way your body's feeling for about sleep. So these are just a few tips that can help you to get through those long nights when you're not feeling particularly sleepy. I would say again, try to avoid napping the next day. Try to make it so that you stay awake until it's you know, not get into bad sleep hygiene patterns. So then again, if you, you stay up, you're tired, but then you take that sleepy time tea later. Again, then it's about how much caffeine can you tolerate during your day? especially if you've been having trouble sleeping, not drinking that caffeine, especially later in the afternoon or evening. So if you have thoughts or questions about medications and what's a side effect whereas what it, that I can tolerate, whereas one I might have to switch, or what's something that might just be an onboarding thing or questions about sleep, remember to email Mariska and me at dmaiglerlcsw at gmail.com. And until we speak again, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. And remember, you are not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish grantor who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pawsforpatrick.org Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring you